Welcome to Season 6 of Business Book Talk. Every week, we have a business book author talk about their book and discover why they wrote it. The conversations are casual in tone, but we try and dig a bit deeper into the subject of the book and discover the author's background and their core ideas. I'm sure you'll like this week's book, so let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Bob again, and I've got Andrew Kite with me today. Myths and Mortals, Family Business Leadership and Success Planning. And uh, interesting enough, I was working with a client a couple months ago, and they did the same thing. So I actually know what that means. But for people that really don't know what that means, uh, Andrew, what is success planning? Well, succession planning is really about planning for the continuity of your business and passing your business to the next generation in your in your family. So wherever a, a parents are, are planning to pass the business to their children, uh, the book is really about the challenge of that next generation stepping up and, and taking leadership and, and leading the family business into the next generation. Yeah, and, and th- what I loved about the book is it's it's really focusing on how to deal with being put in a position that your father or maybe even your grandfather held and was a superstar and built the company up and there's all this tremendous loyalty and then suddenly it's, oh, hey, here's John, my son, he's going to be taking over and then all the disruption and all the mistrust and all that stuff you got to deal with on top of trying to run the company on a day-to-day level and then on top of that again, grow the company. Yeah, when you're born into a family business, uh, you're born in the in the shadow of people going before. So you're always compared to those who went before you. And the challenge for the next generation is, how do I establish my own sense of identity, my own sense of credibility in the face of all that? Yeah, and I think, and especially, I think in North America, there's this real thing about, oh, you know, it's the son, it's the owner's son, he's been pampered, he can't do it, he hasn't done it, it's just been handed to him on a silver plate. And a lot of times that isn't the case, but there is kind of this feeling that, oh, he doesn't deserve it. Is that the first thing that a person should be uh, trying to tackle? Well, you know, it's really a process. And, you know, I, I call that the successor's curse. So <laughs> you're always compared to your parents, your grandparents, those who went before you. And there are always going to be people within the business that, that you know, will question your authority and, and your ability to take on the job. So you need to establish your credibility. And I talk about credibility in, in kind of two two uh, ways. One is internal credibility, which you you have to build your internal self-confidence and belief that you can do it. And then external credibility, which is you have to build followership in others. You have to build your credibility with others in the organization. Now, it's rare that you would get 100% uh, of the people uh, behind you, but uh, you you still have to uh, establish your sense of credibility both to yourself and to others. Let's talk a little bit about the book. I mean, it's I love that the, the contents is broken down um, a lot. There, there's basically 10 chapters. There's an epilogue. There's a couple of appendixes. I mean, there's a lot of information here. It's very, very well organized. But as, as the average business person it has no time in the day, where should they jump into if they're in a bookstore or they uh, go and get the book? Where should they jump into the book? Should they read the, the, the beginning, you know, 30, 40 pages, or can they jump? straight into, you know, Feed the Family, which is Chapter 7, or or is there one chapter that they can look at which is going to hook them? Well, I'd say that the 
the first three chapters really uh, frame the, the rest of the book, and it really talks about what is the successor's curse and what are some of the steps you can take to uh, overcome the successor's curse. And then each of the chapters following that uh, go deeper into uh, different aspects of, of, of how you can overcome the, the curse. So um, you have to be able to deal with failure, which would be chapter four. So you have to develop your own sense of vision, chapter five. Uh, you have to pursue continuous learning, chapter six. So those after chapter three, all of it goes deeper into each of the ways that you can overcome that successor's curse. Do you think it's a book that you can skip around in, though? Or is it kind of like, eh, read through it once and then go back? I, I think that uh, what I tried to do in the book was to give knowledge but tell it through the stories of real-life successors. So uh, in the book, you'll find the stories of Bill Wrigley Jr., of Massimo Ferragamo, of John Tyson, of Dick DeVos, of Christy Hefner. So well-known successors who dealt with the su successor's curse head-on. And... Uh, I, I put forth all the principles uh, through the stories of those successors. So I think it's eminently readable. Uh, it's not an academic textbook. It's, it's really uh, the life of the family business successor uh, with real-life learning coming out of it. Oh, yeah, there's some awesome anecdotes throughout the book, and, and it's a classic North American-style business book for sure. It, it's very entertaining, and it flows through, and then you're just picking up this nuggets of knowledge while you're being entertained, which is a great, great way to, to uh, do a business book. Um, let's talk a little bit about why you felt it was important that this book uh, come out now. Why, what motivated you or what, what stimulated you to think, you know what, this book needs to come out? Well, I've been working with successors for almost 20 years now, and uh, one of the consistent challenges that I see that they have is uh, wrestling with going into their family business out of this sense of obligation uh, rather than I have a real passion for it. And that's really being caught in the shadow, uh, this sense of duty and obligation, which can uh, be meaningful, uh, but you, it, you, you in order to take on leadership, you really have to own it. You have to create your own vision for what you want for your life and, and your path forward. And so I encourage successors to really tap into the best of what their parents did and the best of what they can do with their own skill sets and their own uh, knowledge and their own capabilities. Now, it, you know, it seems to me a lot of this is the responsibility of the – uh, family member that's running the business and and realizing that I can't just say, hey, dude, you're going to be running the company next week. There's obviously got to be a plan in place way before then. Um, or is it a case of that's not as important as kind of getting the fundamentals so when you're put into the driver's seat, these are the things and these are the strategies you've really got to know? Uh, it's, it's definitely a process. And so the earlier you can start, the better the chance at success. You know, the statistics say that uh, two-thirds of all family businesses uh, do not make it to the next generation. So it's important to start planning early and uh, think of succession not as an event, meaning not just handing the, the title of the CEO, but it's a process of preparing the successor and for the parents to prepare to let go. And of course, uh, you know, for the rest of the family to 
prepare for the shifts that are, will happen in the natural life of the family. You know, you, you brought up a very, very important point there, letting go. Parents have a heck of a time letting go, um, and, and not even on like business level, just like basic stuff when their children get older. It, it's letting go and, and letting them live their life and not getting frustrated that they're doing the wrong thing. They have to learn that. They've got to have a little bit of hard knocks in their life or they're never going to develop any character. Do you think the letting go part is, is one of the hardest things? It's absolutely one of the hardest parts for the parents, and there are kind of two aspects of the letting go. The first is the kind of preliminarily letting go of the view of their child uh, as a child and seeing them as a fully grown adult, and that's a dynamic process. Part of that is the next generation showing that they're credible, showing that they're capable, and part of that is the parent uh, opening up the space to see their child as an adult and uh, you know prepared and ready to take on leadership. And then the other part of the letting go process is the identity of the parents. You know, in so many situations, uh, especially with with male CEOs, um, the identity of the parent is so tied up in their role as the as the CEO that uh, it can be like uh, giving up your identity, who you are, to to lead the business. So. Uh, there's not a whole lot of incentive in many ways for for someone to give up their identity. So the parents have to be moving to something rather than uh, just away from their their family business. And they also have to think about how can I make space for the next generation to step into their own leadership. What about a family business that has developed to a point where there is a very strong professional element? When I say that, I mean there's very few family members still running the company and uh, the son or daughter that's taking over is actually sitting on a board and and dealing with advisors compared to Uncle John and, and Auntie Mary or whatever. Um, those are two totally different dynamics with, with a company. Um, which one do you think is easier to be working with? Well, they, they both present their own unique challenges. Um, the working inside the business and working up through the leadership ranks, you have perhaps a, a greater capacity to to develop a track record that you can lean on for your credibility. Uh, and certainly uh, serving at the board level and having activities outside the family gives you a greater uh, opportunity to, uh, you know, have your make your own mark in the world and not necessarily uh, have everything you do tied to the shadow of your parents. You know, one of the stories in the book is of Lance Crane, who actually had a very uh, successful career outside the family business for for 10 to 15 years. He was an attorney uh, and uh, for a while served on, on the board of, of Crane & Company, which was the uh, company that makes the paper that U.S. currency is printed on. And uh, as he was sitting on the board as they entered the early 90s, the, the company was in turmoil and there are some changes that needed to be made and the board asked Lance to step off the board and into leadership and Lance uh, took that on and took on the, the traditions and, and had to parse through what he needed to change and what he needed to hold on to that was special about the company. And over the course of 10 to 15 years, he really transformed the company in from a, a paper manufacturer into a global security features company, you know, uh, so all of those neat uh, security features in all of our currency are, are uh, things that are created by Crane and Company now. 
you know that that's a that's a very salient point that part of your strategy is is to let uh, the youthful uh, successor actually not work in the company and work in other industries so that they can get a, a fresh perspective. Uh, do you think that has value uh, in a company that's that's looking at long-term succession compared to a company that that's got to kind of deal with a sudden succession issue? Yeah, I think if you if you have a, a long-term multi-generational family business perspective, you're looking at any opportunity for the next generation to establish their sense of identity separate and apart from the family. Um, because if they're just going to come in and do what everybody else has done, they're not really adding necessarily adding value. So getting outside work experience can often uh, give family, the next generation, uh, a sense of distance from the rest of the family, a sense of their own identity and a sense of self-confidence that they're bringing something to the table. They're not just in this role because of their last name, uh, that they, they can add some real value. In fact, some of the successors I talked about had, a, you know, enough self-confidence that when some of their professional development needs weren't being met, they uh, saw leaving the family company as an opportunity because they, uh, you know, had a sense of, uh, I need to grow, I need to uh, develop my own, for my own professional development and, and just uh, sitting here in the family business with without the opportunity to grow and develop is not enough. Well, and and also you don't really understand the struggle. I mean, I've I've been in that position where um, started a company but basically backed by the family, grew it but really had a, a pretty lax attitude. But I was twenty one at the time, and and you know running it and and whatever. And then eventually my partner came and said, Bob, I, I think you should leave and and. Uh, you know, get rid of some of these uh, needs that you have to, to go out and do your own thing. And uh, I think it was probably the smartest thing I did. In some cases, you just don't have that as, as an opportunity. How do people work with kind of like a disgruntled approach to it? Like we talked earlier about people thinking, well, I have to be there. I have to uh, support the family, so I'm going to do this. Uh, but what about people that generally do not like uh, the company or, or, or like the position that they're stuck with or aren't that type of leader. Can a succession be, okay, I don't want to be the CEO, I just want to be somebody else within the organization or do really you have to have somebody in the family leading? No, there are a number of families that I work with that have non-family members uh, running the company. Um, and the difference is that the family has to make a shift to uh, understand the importance of uh, governance and, and prepara preparation of the family to be good owners of the company. So the governance should be making sure that the, the CEO is, is uh, running the company in accordance with the values and, and, and the vision of the family for the business. Um, and it's a collaborative effort, of course, but uh, uh, by no means do I think you should try to force a family member into the CEO slot just to have a family member in the CEO slot. At the end of the day, you need somebody who's qualified and credible as the CEO and can uh, meet the challenges of the marketplace for the business. And if that's not a family member, then uh, you know a non-family member uh, can be an important uh, important play an important role in the life of the family. In fact, some families. Uh, makes uh, uh, have a non-family CEO uh, 
as a kind of bridge between the generations because it's often easier for a non-family CEO to mentor and develop the next generation than it is for a parent. Oh, that, you know, that's a classic strategy. I mean, you should never teach your children how to drive. <laughs> you just get frustrated and they get pissed off and they become agitated drivers. So it, it, it that is an amazingly astute thing to think of. I mean, what's interesting about when you're going through the book is for a lot of people, they may not be in that type of position or they're working in a company that's a family-run uh, company, and it really gives you a totally different perspective of what they're going through. And it enables you as a manager or, or, or somebody that's dealing with a company uh, in a business-to-business level um, where their head's at. And, and that, it, for me, I think was a big value that I wasn't expecting out of the book. Let's talk about uh, Christy Hefner uh, because... Right now, women in business are key to success for larger organizations. Uh, a lot of organizations the past three to five years have been saying, you know what, we need to have 20 to 25% of our senior manager, managers um, be women because we're dealing with more and more companies run by women or in negotiations that uh, are basically dominated by women. And that's becoming a, a competitive need. So, what happened when uh, Christie took over the uh, took over the reins? Well, you know, Christie uh, never really had designs uh, on coming into the family business, and, and it, she thought it was just going to be uh, a kind of uh, internship of sorts. Uh, after she graduated from college, she worked in. Boston for a little while, and her father said, "Why not come back to to Playboy and and see? Uh, I need some help. Uh, can you help me out?" And you know, she thought it was going to be a short term thing, and she found out that she really liked it, uh, leading to the point where uh, you know the company was uh, heading into some trouble in the in the 80s, and uh, they uh, had to let go of the CEO, and and. Uh, the problems were immediate enough that Christie said, well, we can spend six months trying to find a new CEO, but I think I can try to take this on. So she created an office of the president and really took on uh, leadership. And one of my favorite things that she said was, I always wanted to be the face of, of Playboy on CNBC so that my father could be the face of Playboy on TMZ. <laughs> you know, that, that begs the question, what's the difference between youth versus maturity in this situation when, when you're doing um, a transitional phase for a company. Um, you know, I look back when I was younger and, and I, you know, I was all spit and vinegar and I want to do it this way. And uh, no, I'm not, I don't care about that. And now that I'm older, I kind of look back and say, geez, you know, it would have been nicer for me to work with my father longer because then I could have built up my relationship with him more. Uh, but now that's, you know, it's a hindsight thing. Is that one of the things that is taken into consideration um, when you've got somebody that's, you know, 20, 25, maybe 30 years, or 30 years old and has been requested to be put into position that they haven't had the opportunity to uh, do their own thing or they're not as good a fit because they don't have that maturity behind them to have a slightly different perspective? Well, you know, age is just one variable in the equation. And uh, certainly we've all seen the family business situations where uh, the next generation is uh, promoted too quickly. And, and, and uh, typically those situations don't 
really help the family or the successor in any way, shape, or form. Um, so developing the capacity to kind of assess what is the, the next generation ready for uh, is important. Um, so I would say that what's most important is, is uh, aligning the roles and responsibilities of the next generation with their skill sets, what they're passionate about, and what they're good at. Because if you do that and you uh, give them the opportunities to succeed uh, at things that they're good at, you know, you're, you're increasing your likelihood of success. What, what some families end up doing is uh, taking somebody whose skill set is not marketing and putting them in a marketing position because that's the need of the family at the time. And it sets the person up for failure. And what we want to do wherever possible is really uh, set the next generation up for, for success. So align their roles and responsibilities with their passions and, the, and their talents. Um, and be realistic about what are their capacities. You know, do they have the capacity to, to get to the senior levels or, uh, you know, do they have those aspirations? And, and where we get into trouble is where we try to put people into a box that they're not uh, prepared to be in and they're not, they, they don't have the skill sets to succeed. Yeah, and then you've got the, the problem of somebody that's in a, a senior position being a little disgruntled and, and not being able to have the energy or, or motivation to, to move that department forward. Even though it's something that needs to be done, it could cripple the company. Right. Now, near the end of the book, in your epilogue, you've got identifying the myths. Can you dig into that a little bit more? Sure. Well, you know, the first step in, in kind of stepping out of the shadows is really to understand what are the messages we're, we've been given? What do people say about our parents? And what are the stories that we've heard that, that may be boxing us into a corner? So I encourage successors to go back and think about what's the earliest story they heard about their family or their family business and to, to recount those stories and think about what do those stories mean for, for me and my development? How do they shape uh, how I decide what's right and wrong? Um, because oftentimes successors fall into the trap of just trying to make a decision to make their parents happy, um, which uh, oftentimes may not be what the business actually needs. Um, so I try to in encourage successors to understand what are maybe some of the biases we've built up over time. Uh, because what's made us successful getting to where we are may not necessarily be what will be uh, will get us to the next uh, level of success moving forward. And while a parent may have been great at growing a company from 50 to 100 million, they may not know uh, how to grow a, a business from 100 million to 500 million in sales. So those challenges may be very different and require a different skill set. I wanted to ask you about, you know, being uh, young in the family, you kind of have an idea that, geez, I, I, I guess one day I'm going to have to run this company. Um, how does one, as the success E, approach a family member and say, look, at, I, I want to uh, know if I'm going to be running this company in the future and I want to build a plan? Well, you know, that, there are a lot of kind of variables that go into that including the size and scope of the company. Um, but it starts with kind of understanding what kind of leader does the, the business need? And how does that align with the skill sets and talents of the next generation? So 
uh, if we look strategically at what the company is going to need moving forward, uh, what does that mean about the next leader? And how does that uh, successor line up with that? Um, you know, I'll give you the example. We have we run a program called the Next Generation Leadership Institute here, and um, we had an individual who came into the company. That's a, a very large company, and he he didn't think he necessarily had the uh, ability to be a CEO or senior levels when he came into the program. And after getting some feedback and looking at his talents and skill sets, he said, "Well, I might actually." do that. So he went to the CEO and said, listen, I'd like to put myself in a position where I'd be considered. So it's not, I want to be the CEO and will I be the CEO, but I need to put myself in the position where I can be considered as a potential CEO candidate. And what would it take to do that? So the CEO and, and the HR professionals in this company sat down with this individual and, and said, listen, you're going to have to do uh, you know, a couple of years as an expat since we're a global company. You're going to have to get an MBA. You're going to have to X, Y, you know. So they basically created a 10-year a development plan for this individual so that when he gets into his 40s and early 50s that he'll be in the, in the running uh, to be CEO. Now, if you're a smaller company, the, the, the conversation's a little bit different in uh, who's got the will to make stuff happen. And you may not have uh, as detailed a, a, an HR plan or an HR support system, but you still need to put together a development plan to say, what are the skill sets the next leader of this business is going to need, and how does that match up with my talents and and how do I develop uh, skill sets where I don't have them? What about when a successor is all prime ready to go? And, and, you know, I think what's happened over the last 15 years, the economy, and then they're, you know, they're kind of getting ready. I'm going to grow the company, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly they realize, well, now I've actually got to make the company survive. It's a totally different strategy. Um, what's the best way for a successor to uh, approach a, a, like a radical shift in the economy uh, that kind of derails a lot of their training and, and uh, focus of what they wanted to do with the company? Well, I like to encourage leaders to, to uh, you know, at least two to, two to three times a year uh, do what I call fire drills is is what would happen if uh, something happened in the economy? We lost our best customer. Are there any different, any number of different scenarios that we can plan for? But if we think about those things ahead of time, we can maintain our sense of calm and uh, commitment uh, in, in a downturn much more effectively. But uh, we have to learn from the past. So, so, so what? How did we survive previous downturns? What are the important levers of, that we, we need to address? Uh, and uh, how are we going to chart a path forward? Um, you know, the, the, the great uh, opportunity that most family businesses have is, is that they tend to carry lower debt levels. So they're usually positioned better to wait, you know, get through the, uh, the waves of, of the downturn. Um, because they're not as highly leveraged as perhaps uh, publicly traded or, or venture capital firms are. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the stories in this book, because there are some wonderful ones. And I know this is an unfair question, but was there one that really uh, 
you liked the most or, or um, you got uh, a lot of entertainment out of? Well, I was uh, really gratified and touched by uh, the amount of time that each of these folks gave me, you know, um, in, in a situation where I, you know, in some cases I'm coming out of nowhere asking them for an interview. Many of these people uh, went very uh, deep into their experiences as, as a successor and gave me a ton of time. You know, Bill Wrigley gave me four hours when I was only kind of asking for 90 minutes. And um, so I felt incredibly gratified by the openness and willingness to contribute. And hopefully I did their, their stories justice. And, you know, I, I like different aspects of everybody's story. I mean, I think they all showed a tremendous courage to step into leadership in their own light um, and faced unique challenges based on their individual businesses. But at the end of the day, they developed their, their sense of self-confidence uh, and decided that there are many great things about my parents that I want to continue, but there are things that we need to do differently too. Well, okay, let's switch it up a little bit. Uh, you know, out of the stories, um, which which story do you think somebody should go to if they're in a situation where the company's in a struggle situation or and then a, a story where uh, a company's in a transition section so they can zone in on those particular, uh, zoom in, in those particular uh, stories to get some insight? Well, I think the, the Lance Crane story is, is the... Uh, probably the one to, to look to to understand dealing with a crisis and the challenges of dealing with a crisis. I mean, Lance Stepped is a sixth-generation member in his family with a family history that goes back to printing paper that Paul Revere used to, to uh, or creating paper that Paul Revere used to print the currency to pay the Continental Army. I mean, it's a long history. Um, he had to kind of transform uh, what the company was about without changing the, the, the heart and soul of, of the family business, so to speak. So that was not an easy, easy challenge. So that would be one uh, on that front. In terms of just dealing with uh, the transition, you know, the Bill Wrigley story in, in terms of feeling the weight of uh, the parent and, and, and dealing with uh, the weight of, of being a successor and, handling the transition with, with a father, uh, the Bill Wrigley story really sticks out for me. Do you see any patterns in there, like, uh, the, like the multi, uh, the, the families that have run business for, for multi-generation? Is there, there a pattern there, like it, it's a specific um, path for the younger people that, that you go to this particular school and, and you have this type of background information? Um, or is it kind of all over the place? Well, I would say that that the book tries to lay out a path uh, based on the commonalities of these different successors. Um, you know, it, there's no one school or one educational program that's going to guarantee be guaranteed to work for every successor. So what I try to do is kind of talk about the qualities of, of these successors who are successful and uh, give some context so that a successor can think about, so how would I apply this to my world and how would this fit for me? So how, how do I learn to overcome failure? How do I learn to develop my own vision? How do I figure out what I need to learn and, and to continue to pursue that learning? Um, 
you know, some of the other themes that, that, that came out was how do I care for the relationships within my family and, and care for the, the relationships within the business as a leader? How do I develop a sense of humility and focus on the we versus the me in, in the leadership equation? And, and how do I learn to, to make hard decisions? So I try to try to talk about that through the stories of these successors and give a roadmap and actually in the appendices uh, give some some frameworks about how successors uh, have planned, essentially kind of created a strategic plan for their own life. Uh, you know, there was a book that came out uh, several years ago, and basically the premise was when you're transferring from uh, being the buddy to becoming the boss, and, and that's a psychological shift. Um how does uh, how does that work in, in the sense where you've been you know in the in the company and you had a junior position or, or, or whatever and you've worked up through the ranks? Um, there's a there's a stage when you have to transition to being the boss, the CEO or the president or an, a, a high end advisor. Um, how does somebody get there? What's what's the strategy for doing that? You know, for a family business successor, I think they always have a sense that they're a little bit different because people, uh, you know, will treat them differently. From the successors I've talked with, there's always a sense of, oh, you may be my boss someday, so I'm going to be a little bit more guarded with you, or I think you're the entitled one, so I'm going to treat you like a spoiled little brat and kind of, kind of, uh, you know, with a, a sense of resentment. So, uh, at the end of the day, it comes back to that credibility question is how do I earn the respect of others? And so it starts with uh, giving them a sense that I understand what's going on with them. I understand the situation. I've got the ability to deal with that. I feel confident in dealing with that. And then managing my boundaries. You know, what happens in that buddy to, to boss shift is we have different boundaries with our buddies than we do our bosses. So we'll talk about personal things with our buddies that we may not talk about with our bosses. So when that shift happens, we have to kind of redefine the boundaries. So uh, what about my personal life am I going to share with this person? What am I going to uh, take part in, in and attend you know, in the personal lives of my employees? Because now I may have you know, 100 people I'm responsible for versus you know, five people before. So uh, it's, it's kind of renegotiating those boundaries and, and just having an honest conversation about that, how that shift is going to come about. But it's never, it's never really uh, simple or easy. <laughs> yeah, like everything in life. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, you've obviously been doing this quite a long time. When you put the book together, what was your aha moment, something that crystallized for you? You've always known it's a, a truth, but now it's like, oh, now I, I really get that. Uh, it would it would definitely be the credibility question. You know, I never uh, realized how much uh, that sense of credibility was important to uh, creating your sense of identity and self confidence. And so uh, I had never uh, broken credibility out to think about okay, you've you've got to feel credible to yourself, and then you also have to build your credibility with others. And, and that it's it's not an either or; it's a both and and they influence each other. So, you know, in a situation where somebody doesn't feel a lot of self-confidence, they can get self-confidence by getting, uh, you know, feedback from those around them. And, and then sometimes 
when uh, somebody doesn't have credibility with others, they, if they've got a strong sense of self-confidence and internal credibility, they can build that credibility with others. So they influence each other. What about the emotional side of things when it comes to uh, somebody that's being put into a position? Um, one of the, the hardest things I think managers have is being able to go into a, a C-suite situation and debate with people and, and not take things personally. Um, is that a, a problem for people that are more succession-based than people that have grown into the position? Well, I, I think that managing emotions is, is probably one of the biggest challenges for, for almost any leader, uh, particularly in a family business, which you're kind of overlapping a, a, a rational business system with an uh, emotional family system. Um, and I hear a lot of people talk about how do we take the emotion out of the family business interaction and I think that's uh, a little bit naive and uh, probably the wrong thing to do because the emotion is part of what makes a family business special. So it's not about removing the emotion from the situation, but it's about recognizing and harnessing that emotion for good uh, and not letting that emotion create drama and distractions from the operation of the company. So one of the things that makes family businesses special is because they're passionate about what they do. It's because there's emotion uh, and a sense of commitment and responsibility. So I encourage successors really to think about, first of all, develop a sense of self-awareness. What sets me off? What what are the things, what are the emotions I'm actually having and how do I start to to manage those and not let them drive my decision making, not let them, you know, hijack the situation, but harness those as information that I can use to, to make better decisions and to think about what are the emotions within the organization that I need to manage so that they don't bite us in the butt in the, in the end. Uh, and if you can start to, instead of trying to, re, you know, eliminate emotion, which is, is impossible in a human system, how do, how do we learn to identify and manage the emotion in, in a productive way? How do you deal with a company that's, you know, lost its um, its leader, especially if they're an iconic leader and you're, you're kind of being put into a position that, okay, uh, you've got to take over? And, and a great example, even though it's not a, a family business, was when um, Apple... Steve Jobs passed away, and then his successor came in. And he was a completely different guy, and, and his his motivation for business was slightly different, and his strategy for business is radically different. Um, and it's kind of made that company adrift. I mean, they've lost a lot of the direction. Um, how does a person that's put into a position of, uh, of dealing with driving a company and steering it, even though they don't have the... Uh, the the advantage of awe, I would probably be the better word, where you can walk into a meeting and, and basically dominate just because you're the guy. Well, I, I think that the central task in that is to differentiate yourself and to stay true to your talents, your passions, and what you're good at. Don't try to uh, replicate what happened before, you know. Uh, many successors get caught in the trap of trying to repeat the successes of the past. So they end up in this situation of kind of just saying, you know, what would Bob do? And, and, and what a successor should really be doing is developing their own capacity to say, what do I think we need to do for the best interests of the company and our stakeholders? Uh, and that's about developing your own gut. So you only develop your own gut by 
taking chances, having failures, having successes, and determining what you think is right, and then augmenting that with your education, with your knowledge, your experience. And what any leader should be doing is developing their gut and so that when they step into that leadership role, they're not just trying to become the mini Steve Jobs. They're trying to lead in a way that's authentic to them. And the reality is the world around you may be doubting you because you're not Steve Jobs. But the reality is nobody is Steve Jobs. So let's throw that out the window and figure out who I should be and who who I am in my best sense as a leader and and show up as that rather than trying to replicate Steve Jobs. Yeah, and it kind of goes all the way back to when we were talking about you know, being brought into the company with the knowledge that, yes, one day you're going to be running this company or be a, an integral part of it. And it becomes almost part of the responsibility of, of the parent or the advisor that's put in the position to, to um, preen that person for the position um, to actually put them in, in tough situations so they can grow. Don't, you know, molly call them and, and make them have tremendous failures so they can learn from it. Before we go today, is there one thing that uh, a business person can do to, you know, move in that direction in preparation for uh, bringing their son and daughter uh, into the fold? Well, in terms of the the parents, you know, I would say uh, start to try to step back and and see your children as adults and see their uh, both their passions and, and their capacities uh, and think about how those align with your business and, and the future of your business. For the next generation, I would say uh, develop your sense of who you are uh, separate and apart from your parents. Uh, develop the sense of what you love and honor about your parents and, and what they've accomplished and what you think needs to, to be done uh, differently and, and who am I and what are my skill sets? Because if you can uh, be involved in things that you're good at, that you're passionate about, and that your family business needs, you're going to be much more successful than if you're feeling trapped or doing a, a, out of a sense of obligation. Well, it also begs the question, how do you handle a successor that decides that, you know what, I'm a bad fit or I don't want to do it and, and basically turns down uh, the opportunity? Well, you know, I think... Uh, it, it's a tough situation because you're you're having to mourn the loss of, of the hopes and dreams of having a, a family member uh, as, as the successor. But at the end of the day, you should be uh, happy that your uh, child is in charge of, of their own leadership and their own happiness and pursuing that. That doesn't mean that they can't be an owner. It doesn't mean that they can't be connected to the family business and they can't be a contributor. You know, Lance... Uh, was Lance Crane was very passionate about his family business and and you know pursued a life outside the business and then came in at a later date. So uh, you know at the end of the day, uh, somebody choosing to to not take on that role uh, is not necessarily a bad thing. It, it it's uh, it can be a very healthy thing for the life of the family and the business. Well, and you know, it's it's a it's a really good point because you know uh, a business that's multi generation, um, it's not just putting your son into that position. Oh, I need him to be in now. Um, let him grow, put him into that position because he's got to be um, 
solid with that position and happy with it because you want his son or his daughter to also pass on the company and continue it to go on. I mean, you, uh, one of the major motivations of a lot of people that build a business uh, and build great businesses that I'm building this f- to give to my family and for them to continue on. For them, that's their bit of immortality. Absolutely. you know, And, and that's part of the loss that the parents' generation has to deal with uh, when a successor chooses not to. Uh, go into the family business is, is that they're choosing to be different. And that happens in a lot of different ways in the succession process. Um, and the parents have to understand that and have some compassion for for the, the challenges of their, their children and stepping into leadership. Well, yeah, it's almost a given because, you know, every child tries to be different than their parents because for them it seems to be an incredibly boring thing because they've been exposed to it for their whole life so it's the, it's the mundane it's like yeah with ceo or running a multi-million dollar company that's so passe i want to do something exciting and different and new then they kind of grow into reality a bit and you know 15 20 years later they realize wow that guy was pretty amazing i wish i could be doing stuff like that we've been chatting with andrew kite today myths and mortals family business leadership and succession planning and i would highly recommend this book even if you're not planning uh, a family business and succession because it, there's some really really great insight uh for people that are just general managers and and, and mid-level managers all the way up to c-suite level to uh, help them build their ability to help a company move forward so check it out I, i think you'll enjoy it andrew thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me thanks for listening to the show and don't forget to subscribe and rate us on itunes like us at Facebook forward slash Business Book Talk. Follow the host on Twitter at Bob Garlic. Visit the website businessbooktalk.com for show notes and lots of other great interviews. See you next week.